Hello there, I'm Elitza Nikova and welcome to Staykeepers podcast. Staykeepers is a prop tech platform that creates value for residential and commercial institutional owners. So thank you for tuning into our one-stop shop for all things real estate, built to rent and the latest innovation in the property technology world. For more information about Staykeepers, please check our website at staykeepers.com or simply follow us on Twitter at Staykeepers. Today, you will hear from Sarah Canning, former marketing director of Student Roost and, as of late, director and owner of Luxstrom Sales and Marketing. Sarah and I will be chatting about the perks of going freelance, some innovative ideas on how to build a sense of community and comfort within all 13 square metres of a room and why CVs do not reveal our true inner marketing selves. And now, without further ado, here she is. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to Staykeepers Podcast. Hi, Ellie. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much for being with us today. I would like to start by saying that working in property is all about creativity, innovation, and um, understanding your customers' needs, which up to a certain extent, I think, describes the role of a marketing specialist. Can you share with us, Sarah, what made you start your career journey in real estate and later on marketing. So whilst I was at university, I worked in a gym doing reception duties and then being a sales consultant and eventually a sales manager. And I really got the sales bug and I couldn't see any progression beyond being a sales manager in the gym. So thought about what I could do that utilised my sales skills. And I've always been interested by property and decided to become an estate agent. So it was everything I hoped it would be. It combined sales and customer service with viewing properties all day and then getting the buzz from matching a customer with their perfect house. Back then it was a very manual process. So you really got to know your customer through having face-to-face or phone conversations. And then when a new house came on the market, market, you knew instantly who would be perfect for that property. We didn't have computers and we didn't rely on emailers. And it was a very close account management based job around building relationships. And eventually I started to get more involved with listing the properties, the photography and presentation and preparing the adverts and window displays. So I was doing marketing without even realising. And from there, I moved into new homes and working for Taylor Wimpy and Barclay Homes in their marketing departments. Your latest venture, Luxstrom Sales and Marketing Consultancy, is up and running. Um, Congratulations for which. But what was the motivation behind your decision to go freelance after working for some award-winning residential developers, estate agencies, student accommodation operators and BTR developers? So when I left GSA a couple of years ago, I dabbled in it, but I got headhunted to join Student Roost relatively quickly. So I didn't really give it a proper go, but I really enjoyed the projects I got involved in, especially the variety and flexibility. And at that time, I managed to get my website set up and all of the administration and finance side of things that's involved in setting up your own business. So I decided after leaving Student Roost that now would be the right time to go back to it. And I could just focus on providing a great service to my clients, having already set the consultancy up. And the motivation really comes from wanting to utilise all my experience and knowledge and help different businesses and companies, hopefully in a variety of industries. Although my passion and focus remains in sales and marketing. So progressing within a company to become an MD or a CEO 
I don't think is the right fit for me. I really want to continue to be creative and hands-on. So I believe I can do that best by supporting different companies in generating more sales through effective marketing. And property is where my specialism lies. I've been in the alternative asset class niche since the beginning. So it would be a mistake not to maximize that and stay involved. I've been attending webinars, conferences, networking, and doing online training in the past few months to ensure that my knowledge and my learning stays relevant. I'm an ideas person. I'm innovative and creative. So I think sharing that with lots of clients will keep me inspired and continue to innovate. And I think that that really benefits a consultant role whereby I can spread that across different clients and continue to be inspired and continue to innovate. And that will in turn benefit the clients that I end up working with. And how do you think your decision to do freelance sales and marketing consulting will benefit you and your professional development? the ability to work for a variety of different clients is is a great benefit of, of freelance work. And I think you learn so much from different people that you work with, and then that in turn benefits the next people that you work with. And I'm hoping that whilst property is is definitely my speciality and where my heart lies. I've already started working, for example, for a a travel company um, and also a local magazine. And they've got nothing to do with property, but I'm learning so much that I hope that that would benefit other clients as well. So I think whilst whilst hiring a freelancer, it really, really gives people the ability to have someone that comes in from outside and offer new advice and new perspectives that you don't get when you've got a team of people that are working inside a company day in and day out. You know, even now, I I feel like if I went back to my previous role, having spent two to three months um, working on my own personal development and my own business, that actually I would have a completely different view on some of the things that I had done leading a marketing department previously. It's great to hear that property will remain your speciality, especially given your vast experience in the purpose-built student accommodation, which is considered to be one of the big growth sectors of the UK property market at the moment. However, you have seen its development from its early days. Did it seem as a promising investment back then? I would say yes, it was, which is why it has grown so much over, over the past 20 years. Um, and even now, some European countries are still at the very beginning of their own PBSA journey. Um, a few years ago, I was involved in the first PBSA building in Dublin, and the reaction was overwhelming as they couldn't believe anyone had built something that was completely purpose-built for students. But even now, there is something like 650,000 purpose-built beds in the UK and 1.84 million students. So there's still a huge demand if you just look at those numbers in isolation. There's been a 10% growth in students, that's up to last year, since 2012. Obviously, we don't know what the numbers are going to look like this year, but beyond that, the number of 18-year-olds over the next decade is going to grow to around 27% increase, which equates to a million extra 18-year-olds. Obviously, not all will go to university, but the metrics do point towards the fact that this demographic will continue to need somewhere to live while studying. The statistics don't account for the HMO market, those who stay at home or even build to rent. So the gap between PBSA and student numbers is more flattering than the reality, which is where I believe the saturation has come from in certain cities. The amount of university accommodation, HMOs and PBSA in some cases exceeds the number of students requiring accommodation. But if you just take PBSA, there is still a big opportunity and there are lots of benefits to students living in PBSA, not least the fact it will free up houses in a city that could be used for much needed affordable 
family housing. And we know that that's a big priority of the government. Um, it's still a big problem, the lack of, of housing. So it will benefit many, many cities, many, many local areas to try and encourage as many students as possible into PBSA. And um, so it does free up those houses. There's still a lot of properties in 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 planning and in the pipeline. So at the moment, there is there is a lot of pipeline compared to the demand. Um, obviously, this year is a little bit of a blip, and a lot of properties have been delayed, which which probably will will help next year when we believe that there's going to be an increase in the amount of students going to university next year. That will probably fall in line with the properties that have been delayed from this year that will will come through into the following year. The biggest challenge really is is land and planning. And it does look like the government are supporting easier planning routes. And hopefully that will speed things up um, because the the buildings, especially some of the sizes of the PBSA buildings that are, are being built, take a long time to go through the design process and the build process so that's the biggest challenge really is great locations in cities viable for students and and realistic for them to live in and to and travel to and from their universities to the accommodation there's there's more and more coming coming on board it's still providing an attractive return and the universities I think are are much more cooperative now with PBSA than than they have been before I think they realize that it's not their speciality that they can leave the building of accommodation to PBSA and they focus on the education side of things. I think financially the universities have been massively hit over the last few months and that could be really good for PBSA because I think any plans that they possibly had of building their own accommodation and investing that sort of money may well have been sidelined and they'll again leave that to to PBSA to build. So I think there's there's plenty of um, appetite for developers to continue to build accommodation um, as long as the, the government and planners are supportive of it in turn. In some areas, there is still reluctance of domestic students to consider PBSA as opposed to the number of international students. Why do you think that's the case? I think one trend that I'm not a huge fan of is is at the luxury end of the market. There are seemingly no end to the amazing facilities that can be incorporated, but this all comes at a price, meaning it's only attracting the, the high net worth students, including in a lot of cases, international students. I can't see the trend changing yet, but I would very much like developers and operators to consider the lower end of the market and creating a PBSA product that could compete with HMOs for price, which will move even more students into PBSA, especially domestic students, which has generally been overlooked so far. The popularity of the HMOs prove that the provision of cinema rooms and bowling alleys isn't a priority and in a lot of cases location and even an ensuite bathroom can be sacrificed for the right price. So I strongly believe that if the PBSA sector can consider secondary locations, non-ensuite rooms and less communal facilities for a lower price, this would move the industry on again and it would open the PBSA product up to a whole new market that so far has been generally priced out of it. And the current pandemic situation is evidence of what can be achieved with technology, which could be a way to maintain a great level of service, but at a lower cost to operate. A great trend that's emerging, though, is the focus on the well-being of students and all the ways that the PBSA sector can support that. That doesn't mean expensive, fancy facilities. I still think that universities and PBSA could work closer together to provide a consistent support service for students in their mental and physical well-being. 
but it's definitely going in the right direction. What we need to see, though, is great service and supporting of wellbeing as the norm, as just what is done day to day by operators, rather than a separate programme, a trend or a marketing campaign. What does the future look like for PBSA? Will it be one of innovations? I think it's difficult to be inventive with a 13 square metre room once you have provided a wardrobe, a bed and a desk. But again, I would love for some innovations here. And I believe involving young people and doing more research into the way they use their space is the way to build something really different. Whilst communal facilities and service has moved on incredibly since I've been in the industry, the actual rooms have barely changed at all. Maybe because they work fine, but for those building two to three years ahead, there's a real opportunity to get student involvement. So when these buildings are complete, it has moved further towards the future of student accommodation. And I think whilst the kind of build to rent sector has obviously looked at student accommodation, I think that student accommodation sector can look at at build to rent and some of the layouts that are working in the kind of the multifamily kind of layouts, that it doesn't all have to necessarily be a traditional corridor with five or six rooms leading off it and a kitchen at the end. Um, I think there's more innovative ways to use the space, maybe cut down on the footprint, maybe take away, like I said, the the ensuite bathrooms, create more communal ways of living for students that still builds community and is everything that they love about living in PBSA, but in a in a different, more innovative way. Speaking of innovations and creativity, what is expected from the marketing team in the initial stage of the property development process? The marketing team will be all over the competitor websites and social media and they have the ear of the public so it would be remiss not to involve them in ensuring the proposed project is fit for the demographic. They'll know for example if the students are challenged with the size of the desk, they'll know if the customers hate the colour of the walls and they'll be well aware of whether the fancy slide in the common room is ever used. And it sounds flippant but the power of Instagram is, is strong and in the time of the influencer creating student accommodation that the residents are proud of, that they want to show off on social media as an important part of user-generated marketing, which is the strongest form. You've mentioned several times the importance of bringing students in their capacity of potential customers into the development process. How do you think this will benefit the project delivery? With most people involved in the project from a development point of view might be several years away from the student demographic the accommodation is being built for. So it's vital that someone involves students at some point in the process to maybe attend focus groups, respond to surveys or just ask informally when visiting the cities and properties. And usually the operations and the marketing teams will be the best place to do this and feedback. And that's the way to really move the product forward, I think, and, and not just keep building you know for for the investor it's about building for the customer and and what they need and what they want and I've always enjoyed working with the development team and pouring over plans tweaking layouts and using my knowledge and experience to suggest new ways of meeting customer expectations. And do you find it difficult to work on a project the completion of which is far ahead in the future whilst ensuring that the delivery is up to speed with the latest trends of the targeted demographic. I've always been very comfortable in a hard hat and high vis on a building site, visualising the customer journey and ensuring that even under construction, it still makes sense for the, the end user. And it's really hard building so far ahead because 
the plans have probably been drawn up two to three years before the property is completed. And because of the academic year cycle, sometimes you add months and years onto that to meet the, the September deadline. So it's really hard thinking ahead all the time. Um, but really, the the audience at the moment who will be moving into the properties that are in planning at the moment are the kind of the 15, 16 year olds. So if if I was working for a developer now, they're the people that I'd be getting involved. And I think that at the end of the day, students are adults, they're human beings like the rest of us. And whatever developments and innovations are being made in, in residential property, the PBSA sector should be um, innovating in the same speed because these these young people that are coming away from their family homes are going to expect the same service, the same fast level of Wi-Fi, the same study space, maybe the same focus on light and daylight that, that residential properties are being built. So it's really important to get the view on, on how these people choose to live. And, and like I said, it's usually the marketing and operations departments that are, are really, really close to, to finding that out and, and dealing with the demographic. And Sarah, what will you say are the best ways to market PBSA? What have you seen as good practice? Obviously, digital first is is key for the demographic that, that we're all marketing to. So having a great web and digital agency to support the marketing team is vital so that they can assess the analytics, make tweaks and react to the market. That's always going to be necessary. So having a flexible approach is really important. There's always a plan A when you start marketing at the beginning of November, but pretty soon after that, you have to quickly change to a plan B, plan C and many, many plans um, change throughout the year and um, because unexpected things happen and different properties react to the market in different ways. So having a team behind you that can react quickly is always going to be necessary. I always think less is more with advertising as well. Resource and time is always a challenge. So only advertise on the platforms that get results. So consistently in the UK, accommodation for students, the student room and student crowd give a great return on investment so whilst it is tempting to advertise on every single platform I always think of the administration involved in keeping all the adverts up to date and reporting on them so if they don't get results it's time to consolidate the same would go for social media as as much as it's important the marketing team should only bite off what they can chew so I would ask you know do you need to be on every platform for every single property if you don't have enough time to create regular relevant content. Instead, focus on the platforms where the students are active and get results. It's difficult to quantify results from social media because it's often not an immediate booking, but it's more about showing students that they have a place in the accommodation, that there will be people like them living there. It's all about showing them the human touch. The sales will follow if you build trust and relationships via social media. And how does PBSA marketing look like in practice? I imagine it involves a lot of research and events, even though the current climate may not allow for the latter. I still think post-COVID there will be a place for face-to-face marketing and I've always had great results from attending freshers fairs and doing freshers tours to create brand awareness, build a database and get real-time feedback on the marketing. Nothing beats getting out and talking to students, seeing their reactions and also seeing what the competitors are doing 
I personally wouldn't ever want to see a marketing team I manage in the office all day, every day. That isn't the way to develop creativity. They should be out looking for inspiration. Something that I've learned from the last few months is the importance of self-development. And for marketeers, this might mean they need time away from a formal environment to expand their knowledge and learn and really kind of despite maybe being in a formal environment, maybe some real estate offices and businesses are really formal, but marketeers are and should be creative. And sometimes they need a little bit more more space to be innovative and to, to get inspired and to kind of move the brand on. So I think that's really important as well. Do you think it's difficult for marketing graduates with little to no experience to start out I know you're very passionate about the youth market, so I would like to know what you think about the opportunities that the industry offers to those at the very start of their marketing career. I still think this is a bit old school and probably does need to move on. Experience doesn't mean to having worked in a marketing environment elsewhere. It could be that a candidate for a role has a great Instagram account and is brilliant at marketing themselves. Perhaps they run a side hustle such as an online mail order business or even a dog walking business. Inevitably, these students will have been marketing, but it might they might not have considered it relevant enough to put on a CV. I think that marketing has been missing from schools and colleges for too long. They don't students don't necessarily know what it is or that it's a career opportunity, but most of them will have been doing it. I went into my old school in London last year to talk to A-level students about marketing and what it involves. And I hope at least some decided to look into it further. But I don't think the lack of opportunities is specific to the real estate sector. It's just standard to still hire people from their CV, whereas marketeers should be hired on their creativity, their innovation and relevance and That might not appear on a formal document or with a a certificate or with a degree. But young people are are so involved in marketing and promotion that sometimes I think as an employer, you should look beyond sort of traditional applications for jobs and traditional CVs and delve a little bit further into their personal brand. Given the dynamics of the industry, how can those interested in pursuing a marketing career ensure that they stay relevant and engaged with the wider industry. I would advise anyone interested in marketing to read books, listen to podcasts, attend webinars and constantly keep on top of trends and training. There are some great online resources and a lot of them are free. I would also suggest finding something to market as a project to prove experience, albeit not in a traditional role or in an office, but it might be, like I said before, starting a small business or providing a service or just showcasing a personal brand, maybe showcasing great fashion sense or baking skills. This is all marketing. And if any future employer is an innovative and creative thinker, they will want to hire someone like this, not just someone with a relevant degree. And once in the role, you should expect it to be fast paced and often reactive. Working in property, I don't think is for someone who wants to work through textbooks and models. It's more about innovation and creativity. And it's always about the customer and knowing them inside out. Well, ladies and gents, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast and let us know what you think in the comment section below. Stay Keepers wishes you all a great week ahead. Be safe and remain positive. The best is yet to come.